My name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos reread every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined, as always, by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. Hey, I've been up for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also joined by the most elegant street on Earth. It's Kate. Hi. Hello. Hi. Ah. <laughs> oh, we have a day ahead of us on the X Files, don't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is an eventful one. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's body horror, and sometimes it's this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think this is one of my favorite uh, things that happens in these this series, I guess, which is like. I don't know. It we're not very far in. We're already getting some of the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like pretty quick. Uh, from like, oh yeah, we have the plan to oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think they start saying the O in my chapters, which is really weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Um. They they sure well, yeah, they sure like... do just have a track record of just grabbing the worst possible morphs at all times, huh? There are like several different things they could have done here. I mean, we'll get into it. We'll get into it later because we're gonna start talking about the books themselves. Yeah, yeah. Or the, the chapters, but I feel like there were alternatives to things they could have done yeah. here. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I feel like most of the decisions they make in this book are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's again, they're they're not good at this. So. No, again, like back when they met Axe last book, I was like, okay, maybe their plans will have a little bit more thought put into them because they actually have an Andalite with them. He's at least is familiar enough more so with the Yurks. And then no. I, I- I will. I will say, they are twelve or thirteen or whatever, and they've been doing this for like a month. So, yeah. well, I wouldn't expect them to be good at this. I think it's because it was a month between the first book and the third one. So, I think we've got a little longer than that by this point. Like maybe two. Okay. Times. Well, I mean, still, still, like relatively short amount of active duty. Yeah. I guess of actively doing this stuff. They don't, they're not experienced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're going to get a lot of experience real quick in this chapter, so shall we jump oh, in? Yeah. <laughs> if by experience you mean PTSD, then yes. <laughs> and we're continuing, we're, should we say we're, we're, we're continuing the Predator? Yes. Today we'll be chapters. doing chapters 10 through 17, I think, of the Predator? Something like that. Uh, 18, yeah. 18, yes. 10 through 18. Listen, I was gonna say, I just read read an extra chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was one thing I wanted to touch on real quick before we get into the chapter. See, on the cover of the book, it says that it comes with a free decal, and I was very curious, so I went searching, and I was able to find an image of the decal that comes with the book. I thought it was gonna be a sticker, but it is not. This is actually an iron-on to put on your t-shirts. That's, that's, huh. That's definitely not, not, that's, that's definitely not what's advertised. Decal implies yeah. sticker. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an iron-on decal. That's all. Uh, that's, yeah. that's called like an iron-on patch. That's not. <laughs> it's not a sticker. No, that's like a valid word. You, you can't just say that word doesn't apply. <laughs> the patch is. Uh, it, it it it's it's a circular black patch that says the Yerks are among us, and that has the Animorphs logo and the website. Now, and the website. Now, I want to bring up that, like, in the fiction that the Yerks are among us, which presumably you're buying into if you put this patch on your t-shirt, like you're, <laughs> like, a, a, at least a little bit saying, oh yeah, the Yerks are among us. I feel like it's probably a bad idea to walk around with a t-shirt that says the Yerks are among yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like, well, how do you know the Yerks are among us? Clearly, you either are a person that managed to somehow get away, or who had one that was Yerked, or you are clearly an anti-light insurrectionist in disguise, so either way you get caught. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't able to find how big this patch actually is. I didn't find any images of it, you know, ironed onto a t-shirt, but... Uh... <laughs> It was tucked into the cover of the book, so presumably it's not that big, like three inches across at most. Uh, yeah, and also, like, I remember those things from when I was in, like, high school. Those things where you, like, you could also print them out on, like, special paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not great. They kind of come off real easy. They're kind of shitty. <laughs> well, it depends, right? Like... I used to make my own t-shirts using the iron-on material, and yeah, it was absolute crap. But if you got some real, like, professional stuff, then... <laughs> mm, okay, that makes sense. Now, I sincerely doubt they used the really good professional stuff for a free sticker in an Animorphs book, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh... You know, I like finding esoterica like this, so whenever books have free stuff crammed into the spines, I'll be doing my best to dig it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. Little pieces of Animorphs history. Long, long gone at this point. Yep, yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, thanks to the Tumblr page, my Animorphs stuff, which is where I got this. <laughs> Um, is it just a person so, posting their collection of Animorphs stuff? <laughs> well, no, it started out as that, but they became like an archivist. People would send in stuff, so they have a, just a huge collection of things from the entirety of the series. Merchandise and free stuff and like promotional posters, all sorts of things. So yeah. they have a lot of uh, very helpful things. Though, it's not, like, organized in any way. You just have to scroll forever until you find what you're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you for doing that, because I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a good time. (laughs) But, yes. So, let's jump into chapter 10, which doesn't have a very obvious title, so I have called it uh, Marco's Guilt. Um, (laughs) So, after... The plan yesterday, they, they decided they needed to turn into something small, and Cassie came up with the idea of ants, because ants could get into the basement without being noticed, and if this transponder is the size of a pea, ants can carry it away. Great job. So then they argue about whether they need to be red or black ants for a couple hours. Which <laughs> shows just how good these kids are coming up with plans, that that's the point that they focus on. I just, like... 
if you're aware that there is an issue between a variety of ants, then why not just try and kidnap one of the ants from Chapman's house? Yes, exactly. I, I mean, that that's what I was thinking this whole time, is like, the, the problems, some of the problems, not all the problems, oh, yeah. some of the problems they face later would probably have been solved if they had just done yeah, that. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. have the bias fly in, just look around, pick up an ant in his beak, and fly off with it. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got that kind of dexterity, to be honest. Nah, I, guess, I, guess it's, uh, I guess, yeah, hot speeds are more like the curved kind for ripping into flesh as opposed to, like, just more of something else, like a little, uh, like like a, a smaller bird or something like that. Couldn't be Tobias doing yeah. it. Rachel's, you know got, what I Rachel's mean. got her shrew. She could. Oh, Rachel's never going to turn into the shrew again. <laughs> <laughs> Not willingly, at least. You swallow the frog to eat the fly. You swallow the cat to eat the frog. Okay, so what they do is Marco turns into a lobster and just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's absolutely nothing he can do because he can't see shit as a lobster, even in water. You know how it is. The California yard lobsters. <laughs> those, those are called crabs. <laughs> I think you're thinking of, of, of Florida. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking of coconut crabs. Miami, specifically. Where, like, crabs will steal your lawn from you. <laughs> they're, just, they're just on their way to more weather. Yeah. Also, you aren't using that yard enough. There's now. Oh no, no, they're not on their way anywhere. No, they're, for sure. They're like. Oh, every time like, I've um, seen those pictures of like just like dozens of crabs over like like the growth or something like that, I thought they were just on their way to a different body of water. No, those are those are oh, those are Christmas there. Island crabs specifically, and they only live on Christmas Island. In Miami, you'll have crabs that are like amphibious that live on land and mm-hmm. water, and they dig holes in your yard down into the water table. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. All I know is that. Uh, Dave Barry used to write a lot about them. <laughs> oh, yes. So. <laughs> yeah, the crabs and his one tortoise. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, uh, Marco has just failed a history test on account of, you know, they were arguing about ants all night last night and not studying. And Jake approaches him to tell him that the ants in the yard are black. Uh, good job. Marco straight up says, and I think this is the most like, vulnerable he's been about one of these plans. He doesn't want to be a bug. Like, he, he thinks this is a terrible idea, not because he thinks everything is a bad idea. He just, he's really worried about being a bug. And, uh, Jake just kind of shrugs him off because Jake was a flea once and it's fine. <laughs> oh, you should have called, you should have called this chapter Would You Still Love Me If I Was an Ant? <laughs> there's a, there's a line here I, I want to, to point out. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, Marco response and sucked blood in response to jake being a flea uh and jake said he looked a little bit uncomfortable well it was rachel's blood <laughs> kind of and it's like hold on hold on jake that makes it better <laughs> it's okay to suck blood as long as it's your cousin yeah that's him being like look my family knows about my vampirism condition they all take turns volunteering to help feed me it's fine Just don't make it weird marco <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it's like when that. we had Vampire Dirk on when, like, Roy and all the other members of the Order of Stick were offering to give him blood, and then it turns out he was an asshole. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 just to to me, the blood belonging to someone you know doesn't make it better; <laughs> yeah, it makes it's... it we- weirder. But 
Well, it's also, uh, you like, know. he didn't ask permission to do that. If he had asked to suck her blood, I guess, sure, but he didn't. Yeah. He just started doing it. D- Jake really went from being super grossed out about eating a spider as a lizard to being like, eh, I guess blood's just a liquid. <laughs> <laughs> spider's, spider's way worse than drinking my cousin's blood. But also, she was a well, cat, so it really wasn't her blood, right? <laughs> now, to be, to be fair, fair... Go for it. Uh, I would rather drink blood than eat a spider. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, blood barley <laughs> still is not... I, from what I understand, blood does not taste good either way. But I, f- I mean, it's fine. I feel like you might be able to like maybe dilute it enough to make it more palatable than having to eat a spider, even if the spider's dead. You can make... you. You can make sausage out of blood. It's true, yeah. You can blood make you, you can make you can you can make uh soup with blood. I do, I do I do not, not like I do blood, not want to use but... the infinity train cannon to make infinite blood soup. <laughs> I retract my answer of using it to make soup. <laughs> I just, like listen, it's fine. Blood kind of tastes like raw meat. It's not great, but it's not awful. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yes, I know this. Um <laughs> I mean, everyone has probably tasted their own blood, so... It, that's true, yeah. Like, if you, you get, know, like, a cut on your finger, you, you probably know, lift it up to your mouth to, until you can get to, like, a mandate or something. You know what it tastes like. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's really more that's just, like, in little, like, tiny droplets compared to, like, an entire, like, glass full. Listen, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll have to put out a content warning for the morals and uh, texture of drinking uh, somebody else's blood in a glass. <laughs> Boy, my to be fair from earlier was that he just ate the spider alive and it was still kicking in his stomach, so yes, drinking uh-huh. blood is dramatically better than that. Yeah, yeah, there is that factor. <laughs> the spider's dead, and maybe a little bit of a difference, but it's still a spider. <laughs> um, yeah, uh... So Jake kind of admits that, like, he tries not to think about the things that he's done in the past because they're too horrifying, but, uh, basically, like, they, they want to get Axe home, and then he just says Andalite out loud in the middle of school, uh, so good job on the secrecy guys, you maybe come up with a safe word or something. <sighs> but, yeah. Call them a- a- Andes. You're already talking about ants, just say ant, it's so easy. <laughs> Well, he he does lower his voice, to be fair. He lowers his voice, but that's not good enough in a high school. Yeah. A, I guess middle school, but... Yeah, like... No, yeah, everyone is... Well, no, see, middle schoolers are generally way too focused on, like, try to figure out if other people are watching them or listening to them to watch or listen to anyone else. <laughs> They they've they've got like and this this will continue probably like well into high school if not into college. Uh, they they tend to think they have an audience all the time, uh, when in fact everyone is always focused on the fa- on like trying to figure out if they have an audience. Yeah, <laughs> and too busy with that to actually pay attention to anyone. It's else. kind of similar to like the general trans experience of like oh no this person's looking at me for more than one second they obviously know and it's like no they fucking don't nobody. Everybody's too locked up in their own little world. Nobody, They're not really focused on stuff like that, really. You know, nobody, fu- nobody fucking gives a shit. That's also, really interesting. So my junior high experience was more like everyone is laser focused at all times because they want to find whatever weakness they can to destroy you. I mean, yeah, kids can also be dicks. 
<laughs> but I don't know. There's a they in in child development they call it an uh, egocentric view, like an egocentric viewpoint, where they they have a kind of like not not in like a judgmental way, just like in a they have um this constant assumption that they have an audience yeah. and that like causes a lot of distraction. I wouldn't worry too much about that about whispering andalite uh <laughs> just because you know it's it's I, I i doubt anyone is listening in on this they, conversation they just specify something like you know our more interesting friends <laughs> our unique friends <laughs> like just use it in like coded terms of like yes we will agree if we need to speak about acts like this to each other we will just refer to <laughs> the four as the foreign exchange yeah thing. exactly <laughs> He's yeah. from a very far off country. You wouldn't hear of it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Aunt Dally. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, so Marco basically rejects this plan because he almost died the other day, not for any good reason, just because he happens to be in the mall. Like he's very upset about this, and so he says he doesn't want to do this. And the other factor is, and this is a big part of the reason Marco's in the mood he's in is that next Sunday is the two-year anniversary of the day his mom died. We've gotten this story before, but he tells us a little bit from his perspective of it, about how she had taken the boat out in the middle of the night and sailed it into a storm, and no one knew why, and just disappeared. They found the boat up on the rocks later, and never found her body. Okay, Marco is making it very easy to pinpoint exactly who he is, because he just has to basically use records to indicate who went missing in a boat two years ago, and therefore can figure out her last name, and thereby Marco's last name. (laughs) In a city with with, um, ocean to the west, mountains to the east, (laughs) and uh, like a subtropical climate, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and a theme park, and a theme park, a theme park, we're, like, a theme park really, with really the word "garden" the in its name. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, they might have changed the name of the. They might have changed the name of the theme park. We don't know. I would probably, I probably would. Uh, See, we would, yeah. but also we are like you know close to three times the age of these kids. <laughs> well, you got to remember, like a lot of what they tell us is supposedly altered. Now we'll find out later. And I guess this is technically a spoiler. Their names are just their names. They didn't change their names. They're not that good at security. But <laughs> we actually, I think, I think we only ever learn Jake's last name. Yes, we learn Jake's last name. I believe in the last book. We don't learn anyone else's. Yep. But no, they didn't change their names to protect the innocent. So. <laughs> um. Yeah, but basically, Marco admits that. Uh, yeah, so Marco sort of admits that he spent a while fantasizing about different ways that his mom could have survived, like on a deserted island or whatever. But, uh, you know, it just, it's not how things work. And it's, you know, there's not, like, deserted islands off the coast of L.A., really. Uh, yeah. And eventually he just accepted that she was gone. And this gets him thinking about, you know... Parents missing their kids. Parents very, very far away, wondering what happens to their children. And suddenly he's like... Essentially he agrees to do the mission again. But it's not because he's worried about his friends. And it's not because of any, like, 
moral thing. It's just because he feels guilty about Elfangor and Axe's parents not knowing what happened to their kids. Which mm-hmm. is not the front he's been putting up this entire time. It's very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think he ever reveals that motivation to anyone else. To my knowledge, no, he does not. <laughs> he does say, um, up here, uh, but one, I know one thing, this would be a really bad week for me to turn up dead. Uh, to which I would say, don't worry, Marco, you probably wouldn't turn up. Yeah. Yeah, you would absolutely just get, like, vanished. Nobody would ever find your coat, yep. regardless of how you died. Which is actually worse, because that's what happened to his mom. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> At least there would be a little bit of closure if he actually had the body, <laughs> in terms of, like, if Marco also ended up dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then that'll take us into chapter 11 which I have titled Cassie's Gun which is a Chekhov's gun joke except that she will never fire it you see the point um, <laughs> but that's uh, not a Chekhov's so, gun hmm? that's not a Chekhov's gun then yeah it's Cassie's I just said that <laughs> Cass- Cassie's gun is a gun that you see at some point that is just never fired. You keep expecting it to be, but it's not. <laughs> she she uh, took it one day from a yerk just to be like, I can, uh, you know, just to be safe. But then, like, every time that it's like, Cassie, just shoot the gun. She's like, the process though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I'd probably do the same thing. I mean, it is kind of a I, big deal to shoot a gun at somebody and take their life. <laughs> Even if it's to protect others and yourself. I mean, yes, that is absolutely true, but when you're in an alien invasion scenario, when a walking meat grinder is coming towards you, you pull the trigger. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I guess Cassie Cassie has killed. Cassie has points on the kill count. Yeah, she so. does. She like one, she's she not like in one. last place, either. <laughs> who, who is in last place? Oh, she's, she's... I forget. Who's in last place? Uh, currently last place is Axe, but right behind him is Jake. Well, yeah, yeah I guess. But uh, Axe has only been around for a little bit. I'm sure Axe is probably going to have no morals about killing. <laughs> Cassie is in third place. <laughs> uh, um, so the next day, uh, they meet up in the backyard of the house next to Chapman's. Uh, the people who used to have this house have moved, and this is what I'm talking about with Cassie's gun, because she, like, the first line of the chapter is, I wonder why these people moved, and then they spend a couple paragraphs speculating about this, and it just, it's not a thing. Like, it doesn't matter. It, the way they bring this up, it makes you feel like it's going to be relevant. It really, really isn't. It's just a convenient excuse for them to be standing somewhere that isn't Chapman's yard. Oh, so, um, so much like uh, Rachel's friend back in book two. Yeah, basically. Who, as you um, have said, never comes up again until like book 38 or some shit. I think she's in the fourth Megabars book. Oh, okay. I mean, to be fair, Tobias also did mention her, which is more than Rachel had done since then. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the time, she mostly just has walk-on roles from here on out, but they're pretty far and few between. Yeah. Is this girl um, Jessica we're about to meet in a few chapters ever going to come up again? I literally do not remember the name <laughs> Jessica, and I read this book last week. <laughs> She's the one that causes shit with Rachel in the cafeteria. Yeah, I'm going to assume she doesn't come back. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> So it's nighttime, the moon is full, uh, Axe is an Andalite just standing in this backyard. I hope they have a fence. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, occasionally deer just walk into your yard. It happens all the time when, uh, whenever I would be in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. I think they do actually specifically mention a fence later, but I'm not sure. They do mention a fence yeah. that they uh, get to when they're ants, yeah. Okay, yeah. good, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, sure, deer walk into your yard, but deer don't walk into your yard and just stand there next to five humans. <laughs> What they don't tell you is that it's a chain link fence, and he's completely visible behind. <laughs> also, what they don't tell you is that he's secretly Alan Dracula, and therefore he would actually just hang around people. Uh, so yeah, uh, they they morphed ants, or they didn't morph ants. They acquired ants earlier. Uh, Cassie had some at the barn, and it doesn't say how they like uh, captured the ants, but. You know, I guess we don't need that. I, I do nope. have to ask, Ever? why does Cassie have ants at the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center? They're ants. Because <laughs> it's a I don't barn. Think it's not patients. a secure, I, like... I don't think they're patients. I think they just live there because they're ants, and it's a barn. Okay. The, yeah, I mean, the, way they, the way they phrase it, it sounded like they were like, oh yeah, like Cassie's dad is is uh, nursing some ants back to health. And it's like, my dude, it's a fucking <laughs> I ant. Think... I think I think you can you can assume from like context from knowledge of what ants are <laughs> and what what rehabilitation clinics do that they're not nursing the ants in back to health. That's not the impression that defense, I got. Zach has no fucking idea what ants are, so he has no context. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, uh, barn dirt floor. Don't worry about it. Um, that that would have been a pretty funny scene, like pretty funny joke. If Axe was like, "Why are you nursing these animals to health or something like that?" <laughs> you, feel, you tell me that there are literally millions of them in the colony. Why does one matter? <laughs> Especially when we get into the matter uh, of ants have no fucking sense of self. Oh boy, I don't think Andalites would play. They're weirdly individualistic, despite their communalism. So I, I think yeah. they'd be they would understand the value of protecting one life out of a million. As long as yeah. it was a life they liked. Um. Yeah. As long as it wasn't specifically one of the undesirables. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, so it, it's... Everyone is pretty freaked out. So Marco decides to open this conversation by asking Tobias if he can keep a track of them. And again, hawks don't see super good at nights, which we have covered before, but I guess we needed a refresher. Um. Chapman is out at a sharing meeting tonight, so they don't have to worry about him spotting them. Like, again, they're ants. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, for once, Chapman um, doesn't have to spend two hours staring at a wall in preparation to talk to his boss. <laughs> How often do you think the sharing meets? Like, if it's a Boy Scout thing, it's gotta be once a week, right? Yeah, it, it definitely reads like a, like, Friday evening thing, at least in terms of, like, me thinking to, like, whenever we had, like, the big, like, whole overall troop meeting or whatever, <laughs> rather than just the, like, individual group. Yeah, this poor guy just, like... Those, I mean, those were once a month, to be fair. Like, they weren't every Friday. Every Like, it was, like, every Friday was, like, the normal one, and then it's like, oh, this first Friday enough or whatever was, like, the big, like, overall meeting. I'm gonna be honest, I don't know what you're referring to there. Did only your patrol meet? You didn't have the whole troop? No, 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 we did. It's, like, uh, it was basically a case of, like, yeah, like, I mean, I'm thinking back to especially, like, Cub Scouts. It was a case of, like, you know, like, the Cut Scout group or whatever, like, the patrol, I guess, because I'm forgetting terminology, was, like, that was every week, and then, like, it was once a month was when the entire, like, troop overall met up. Oh, that's weird. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't remember Scouts well enough to 
to like chime into this conversation. I've mostly blocked it out of out of my memory. Yeah, I mean, most of it was just uh, me being like, "Hey, there's so much more interesting things they could be doing rather than the thing I'm forcing to." <laughs> One time, they tricked us into sleeping on an aircraft carrier. Why? It was a mystery <laughs> trip, and they were like, "They were like, oh yeah, we're not going to tell you where we're going, but it's going to be super cool." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm down for that," because I was a stupid, naive child. And they took us to an aircraft carrier and made us, like, live like sailors for, uh, a week. And I hated it. Every single second of it. Meanwhile, if somebody told me that these days, of like, oh yeah, we're going on a trip, come with us, Uh, we're not telling you where we're going, I would just be like, this is exactly how I die. They are taking me somewhere to murder me. (laughs) It was on a big bus with lots of other kids, and I ostensibly trusted the adults that were there. We are tossing you kids off into a deserted island and you have to live like Lord of the Flies. Whoever manages to survive for a month is the winner. I actually stayed on that same aircraft carrier, but it was just for a weekend, so it was great, because it wasn't the whole week. (laughs) It might have been shorter than that. It certainly felt like a weekend, and I hated it. If it had been a weekend, I still would have hated it. Because the food was terrible, and it made us sleep in rooms that were lit red. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, no, I think the big difference is that in our troop, uh, it was all scout-led, right? So we planned the trip, so we knew what we were getting into. Uh, it wasn't like... Oh, yeah, we, we definitely <laughs> didn't oh, yeah. have that. They didn't trust the kids enough to plan stuff. <laughs> a, bi- a big part of it was probably the fact that, like, they they like sprung it on us i guess <laughs> when we were already on the way <laughs> at that point you uh you go ahead and uh collaborate with all the other kids to take over the bus <laughs> and they and they like when we got there there was a, a, a like a navy guy or whatever who like addre- addressed us and and like i, I guess did the introduction, and he says, yes, we do have cockroaches. Yes, they are big enough to carry rifles. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that's a great pitch. (laughs) I'm certainly looking forward to this. (laughs) Yes, we have decided to militarize them to give us more soldiers. (laughs) Fucking. And we got there, the Navy guy promised us that he would give us all challenge coins because it was super cool and expensive and whatever, and he just didn't do it. Like, that never happened. So, whether, the Navy lies. Whether, Don't listen to them. Whether challenge coins? Um, they're like a big coin, probably about an inch and a half across, with an elaborate design on them. Uh, the idea is that military folks get them for serving in specific campaigns, and it's just like a token of whatever, but... The game military folks play is that you can, at any point, challenge with your coin and slam it down on a table, and then everyone else in the room has to do that too, and if you don't have a coin and you don't have one on you, then you buy drinks that night. Ah, the military. (laughs) Patch, I I am led to understand, though, that in the Navy you can sail the seven seas, and in fact put your life at ease. Is that not true? (laughs) Uh, well, you know, that ship is, like, cemented to the ground, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just immediately thinking of the the Simpsons episode when, like, Bart is in, like, a boy band with some other kids, and it's just, like, the subliminal messaging of join the Navy backwards as even at Niage, or whatever it was. (laughs) (laughs) No, the thing is that that doesn't even have to, like, it doesn't even have to be that, because... 
like the, the song that I just referenced the lyrics. Oh yeah, no, to yeah, in yeah, the yeah, Navy yeah, by the Village yeah. People. Like the Village People is like it's like flaming campy gay shit after flaming campy gay shit, and then then suddenly like military propaganda. Yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> insane because I ne- didn't really think about it till just now. That's like, oh yeah, they're the same people that sung the YMCA, which is very gay coded. <laughs> Yes, and then they also just have a, a straight up like military propaganda recruitment Yay. song. <laughs> hey. Like, like one of one of the 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 lines to this. I'm looking at the lyrics now. Is come on, protect the motherland. <laughs> which, which uh, I didn't really remember that was a part of the song. It's just because, like, I mean, that was like. A song that came around in, like, what, the 80s, maybe 90s? I definitely remember hearing it a lot growing up as a kid, but I don't feel like I've heard it a lot since. To be fair, I don't read. Really... Uh, it was 1979. Oh, but, okay, so well, Yeah, that's yeah. nine years before I was even born. <laughs> now, are we so sure like... that wasn't ironic? Because, like, in 1979, the motherland would generally refer to Russia. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I, also thinking that. <laughs> I... I don't know. I think it's specifically supposed to be. The, I I have to look at this. I don't know if the Navy paid for this, <laughs> so I'll have to look that up later and then get back to us. It'll be uh, I don't know. I'll I'll mention it next episode. Hopefully, if I remember, but probably Kate not. has homework now. Self-imposed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to I have to research the Y the, the uh, not YMCA the Village People song also, in the Navy. Also, this challenge coin <laughs> picture you posted it really looks like it's like one of those like Pokemon co- coins that they give you for determining like heads and tails flips. It looks super fake and not at all like it's official like metal or anything. Oh no, these are very like they're solid metal, very heavy. I think it's uh, just because they are just like way more color than I would expect, I and mean, because they have a bunch of like. <laughs> You know, red and blue, in addition to like the like beigey color that I presume it's like well, the main yeah. middle color. Well, I mean, obviously that's going to depend on the coin itself. This is just yeah. the one I could find that wasn't like a racist stereotype or a police union. The Navy contacted group manager Henry Bellolo to use the song as a recruiting advertising campaign for television and radio. However, I believe it was written before the contract. Sounds like it. So they did. They they wrote it on their own, which I think might it might have it like it, maybe it was supposed to be tongue in cheek. I don't know. <laughs> Are these coins like the size of a quarter? Uh, no, they're much bigger than that. Okay, maybe, maybe uh, it was just like they had to make it look so distinct in case you almost used it as like a quarter or something to pay for stuff. <laughs> no, definitely not that. It's decorative for like uh, honor reasons or whatever here. I've got one in my hand. Let me put a picture of that up so you get a so, sense of the size. So there's no danger of accidentally using one to buy a soda? No, not a chance. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like uh, Louie trying to use Scrooge's lucky dime on that, uh... Oh god, I forget the... I think it was like Pap Soda or whatever. But yeah. Oh yeah, that is way... That, that's that's too big to yeah. mistake for anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's really more of a metal than a The, the one you have definitely looks like it's like socketed into Yuki's like, uh, upside-down pyramid necklace. So, <laughs> just with the design, <laughs> yeah, and, like just you... with the design and the keyhole on it. <laughs> 
If you if you use like the right key, it'll actually open up a door in reality. You, it's not big enough for you to step through, but you can like look at Narnia. <laughs> well, this is actually my spooky haunted library coin. I found it on the ground in Toronto, and uh, it is a coin advertising the East Sussex Asylum Library's occult collection, which, as far as I can tell, is not a real asylum and has not ever existed. <laughs> so, Ew. ah, so you you have you have obtained something that has fallen into our world through an alternate universe. Clearly, you need to follow up on yeah, this. Yeah, if, if, if you uh, find and... them, then they will be able to uh, enchant it to let you use it as a magical focus for spellcasting. Yeah. Let let me know, let me know, because because I I want in on that. If you're able to, you know, discover some kind of magical world through this, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, was, like I was about to be like, oh, I would drive out to Texas for that, but then I was like, mm, but it's Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The phrase printed on the back is in Latin, and what it says is, uh, there is no genius without a little madness. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the um. The the modus operandi of all Western occult tradition. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, hey, uh, you just gotta give yourself so much bloodborne. Uh, oh fuck, what was the what was this currency? Insight, I think it was that lets you see all the eyes on everything and also see the invisible like <laughs> brain monsters hanging around. They're just there all the time. Uh, it's just that you basically get to finally pierce the veil once you get to like Insight forty, and it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember in the sink when I got that and it was like, why does this pig have so many fucking eyes on it now? <laughs> that's that's normal for pigs. <laughs> we can't make the same t- totally normal everyday pig just joke like we did for Alan Dracula, who's a normal everyday deer. Uh, in real life in real life when you reach maximum insight, uh you just start seeing that all the billboards say consume <laughs> and that uh <laughs> As though most billboards don't already basically say consume. <laughs> like, I always pass by one on my way out of Hartford that is basically like, do you know if you're going to heaven or hell, call this number. And it's like, yeah, that's just telling you to consume. <laughs> consume <laughs> the Bible. Uh, so, yes, I carry this with me all the time. I play with it constantly. This surely will cause no problems. Um... <laughs> Uh, so with the podcast uh, just abruptly ends one day, everybody, uh, and Patches know what we found. You know what happens? It means that I found a magic set of sunglasses that let me see the world as it really is, <laughs> and then I I ended up dying because of it. <laughs> it means that I found the right key and went to the spooky library. It depends on who's the one who goes missing, I guess. <laughs> if I go missing, it's just because I actually found a, a real like actual portal to the boiling house, and I was like, "Fuck Earth." <laughs> Okay. Um, well, that's quite a diversion. But anyway, they morph into ants. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like it's weird to them because they've never done anything this small before, so they're just shrinking like nobody's business. And of course, there's some body horror as they're turning into ants. Uh, yeah, it, like I don't want to focus on all of this because we've done a lot of it. But one of the things yeah. that specifically sticks out to me as being horrifying is that as Cassie is morphing into an ant, her abdomen just swells to the size of a watermelon and I just like, dear god. <laughs> I do not want to see an ant with an abdomen the size of watermelon in a human face. <laughs> um, yes, and then uh, they sort of Marco, I don't know how this happened exactly, but he's falling 
down the side of a blade of grass once he turns fully into an ant. So somehow he morphed and then was just in midair and is falling now. I, like, that's not how shrinking usually works, but sure. <laughs> I, uh, well, I mean, when you're standing on grass, you're standing on grass, not the ground. Because <laughs> the grass is keeping you off the ground. Technically, I mean, I guess, you're but you're standing on a lot of grass, and then you shrink down. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 when you start to shrink, your weight decreases, and I would imagine that the grass would go back up. This makes sense. I mean, to it me. might it might still <laughs> be it's, it's it's not like it you're might still be pressed down a bit because you're standing on it. With I mean, to be fair, these kids are like twelve. They weigh like what eighty pounds, hundred at max. <laughs> grass grass like springs back up pretty quickly after you. It's not like you leave footprints in the grass. Grass springs eternally. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, that is the end of that chapter, which will bring us into chapter twelve, which I will, which I have titled um, "Ants" with a Z (laughs) Um, because it's cool. It's that it's it's the Ant Man commercial. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The the the. They didn't have a trailer with movie footage ready, so um, what's his name? And Michael Douglas just hamboned and yelled ants at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, uh, now that he's an ant, Marco is blind again, because he just can't get enough of that in this book. But actually, no, it's not that he's blind, it's just that vision doesn't matter. It's like, scent is way more important. He can smell the world around him, so he doesn't need to see it, so that's what matters. and it takes a moment for him to adjust to his antenna picking up smells, since of course he doesn't have a nose. And uh, he's like trying to brace himself because he fully expects that this thing is going to be scared. Because to their experience, the small animals are always just terrified and like he, he thinks this is going to be really bad. And then all of a sudden he's just gone. Boom. No more Marco. The end. Um... <laughs> Uh, so this ant realizes that uh, it's not in the right colony. It's it's in enemy territory, which is weird, and it can smell them, and there's some, like, weird big thing making sounds in its head, but that doesn't matter very much. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's just weird... There's, there's weird smells here, and there's violence is going to come, killing soon. Um, and the big thing just keeps making noise, but the ants are, like, moving towards... Uh-oh, there's food here. They smell food, so they're going to go get the food. And there's, uh, it's a big dead beetle, so the uh, ants and some of the other ants that smell right, they have the good smell. Uh, they're going to deal with this beetle, and um, the, the, the big sounds is making noises, something like, wrong way, controlling you, but nah, who cares about that? Uh, the food matters more. So they're going to go find this carcass, and they're going to find uh, the size of it, and if it's too big to carry, they'll all chop it up and take it back to the colony. Um... And then uh, the enemies would come. They're really distracted between the, 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 the getting of the food and the enemies. They really can't focus here. But that's okay, because there's a lot of things to happen. And uh, then uh, Marco senses the air and suddenly realizes, oh, wait, there's a Marco. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> and, yeah, um, he, he starts to perceive other senses, sounds and smells, and they help him to reassert himself as an entity as he just starts screaming inside his own head which is the first noise they have made since turning into ants and Tobias apparently later says that this just terrified him because he thought Marco was dying yeah terrified me too (laughs) (laughs) 
But uh, it's it's not that Marco's dying; it's that he has suddenly been reborn because he exists again. Yeah, this happens uh, to all of them. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's complete and total ego death. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, has to be a very disturbing, a very disturbing sensation. Yeah, especially if you weren't prepared for it in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like I know some people try for ego death, but sometimes it just happens. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you're like like taking in theogens or whatever or doing like a ayahuasca ceremony in South America or whatever then there's like a certain expectation <laughs> i guess here first of all um that's not expected and second it's dangerous because if they don't regain their senses of self uh they're, they're then just, they got 2 yeah, hours they're just, they're just fucked <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah. Like, they, they could also just assuredly maybe die before then because they'll just wander into different territory and then get caught before yeah. the two hours well, The good news is, if you get stuck as an ant, you don't have to worry about the horror of being a human mind in an ant body, so... <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, yeah, so Marco screaming apparently is the catalyst that starts to wake everyone else up because they're all, like, freaking out now and coming out of it together. Which I kind of don't get because, like, throughout all this, Tobias is basically thought-speaking at them being like, yo, what the fuck you doing? You're going the wrong way. Wake the fuck up. Let the Stop playing the egg body. Let the egg brain have control. That doesn't mean anything to them. They don't have like a concept of self they can connect that to. But then why the, why the would only... one of them screaming do so? Well, I feel like at the very least, because they how do I put this? Marco is their friend, right? And they care about him. So when he's screaming and panicking in their minds, I think that is gonna awake something in their dormant human side, mm-hmm. which might help spur yeah. them to reality, just because this is a concern they have for the ants, Yeah, I can buy that, compared <laughs> to Tobias being like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tobias also wasn't able to, like, even when they did have relatively cogent thoughts, um, convince them to stop being idiots when they were dolphins. Yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> Like, it's not a whole lot different that he's doing here. I don't think, like, hey, hey, guys, stop, stop, like, stop, uh, stop being ants for yeah. a moment and actually focus on your situation or, like, fight, fight the ant mind. Um, I don't think it's gonna be nearly as effective as blood-curdling psychic screaming from Marco. Tobias needs to learn to project music so he can just put the hamster dance in our heads. Because <laughs> when you put enough of a loop of the hamster dance, that will annoy you into being a sentient being. Tobias just watching <laughs> them get up to their antics and he just starts humming Jackie Sacks all the time at them. Antics. Ah, uh... <laughs> uh, fuck. Uh. <laughs> uh. Wait, was Jackie Sacks um. even a thing at this point in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just yeah, but Benny Hill theme is old. Yeah. I guess it's also just easy um, to forget that that's actually the theme to, like, a show compared to <laughs> just being like, oh, it's Yakity Sex. Yeah, like, I guess let me put it this way. Do you know who Benny Hill is? No. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I know Yakity Sex. One one sung it while uh, two of us running for her fucking life from the giant cockroach dogs. How does one one must be able to get cable TV then, or at least access to the internet if he knows Yakity Sex? <laughs> 
Weirdly, it's not like the show ended in '89, so. Okay. <laughs> um. Yes. Uh. So, X seems to be the first one to like fully come back to himself and start talking in real sentences, and Tobias is just yelling at them to get out of the morph. But Axe is talking about how they don't have a self, and he was lost, and they're not whole, just parts, like cells, and he, he, he despises these ants. All of a sudden, I think Axe would kill one ant. Um, <laughs> yeah, the fact that uh, Axe isn't also over there uh, crushing the ants to put the earth back into place later on, <laughs> it's just Rachel is like a little out of character, considering how much Axe is like fully saying fuck ants at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Tobias is telling them again that they need to get out because this isn't right, something has gone wrong. And Cassie just starts talking about eusociality and how she should have guessed this. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Tearsy doesn't exist yet, so they wouldn't have all seen that episode yet. Um, yeah, it does say that she sounds, and I'm quoting here, shattered, but that does not stop her from expositing, like, a, a zoo book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm really going through something like, at the moment, all... but let me just quote verbatim this fucking book I read. <laughs> we all have different responses to stress. True. <laughs> Rachel gets angry, Marco makes jokes, and Cassie books, books. becomes a zoo book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tobias warns them that there's other ants coming, and he's like just standing on the ground right next to them, so I guess he can keep track of them. <laughs> Which, weird bird behavior, but I guess no one cares. Um, they They claim that they're okay, they claim that they're in control, but it is, like, only kind of true, because... It's hard to be in control of the ant when the ant is not exactly a creature, if that makes sense. Um, so Cassie figures out how to use the ant's eyes, because I guess the ants as a colony don't use eyes at all. Uh, so that's interesting. But eventually they figure out how to see and start heading in the right direction. And um, yeah, Tobias doesn't want to go into Chapman's yard, and for some reason they haven't morphed out of Ant, despite Tobias telling him to do that like four times. They're just going to keep going with the mission. Um, Which should indicate and, that everything is going to go perfectly well. Nothing, nothing, no problems will happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they get through the yard, and then all of a sudden they start, uh, they realize that something is very bad, because the Ant uh, instincts are screaming about enemies. There are enemies everywhere. It's time for killing and murder. Mass Effect NPC voice enemies everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But it's not time to be afraid, because ants don't do that. It's just time to uh, devolve into a berserker fury of ant murder. <laughs> and that's the end of my chapter. <laughs> uh, if only there was a way to make a monkey become an ant in terms of, like, puns, because then you could just use, like, return to ants instead of return to monkey. Hmm. Well, there's not. <laughs> yeah, so. doesn't really uh doesn't really uh translate very well. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was just lead us into chapter thirteen, which I just called back to the basement because this is really just them getting to the basement and nothing else really. I could not think of anything. Uh, basically, you just see the group reach the house and they like realize, oh yeah, this must be the house because everything's going up instead of flat. <laughs> so. They search around a little bit, and they basically, they don't describe it as an ant tunnel, but it's it's an ant tunnel that they find leading underground in the direction of the basement. And they basically all immediately know that it's territory of another colony of ants, but they were just like, well, fuck it, we're just going to go in here because uh, let's ignore the ant uh, instincts at all. 
And while inside, they end up encountering another ant in one of the side tunnels where they flee from them because it's smaller than they are. And this, of course, makes them think, like, oh, we're the toughest ants around in this uh, place, and this is absolutely fine and will not cause problems at all whatsoever. <laughs> uh, they're just really ignoring every fucking warning sign. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That actually notices a breeze coming from another side tunnel, so they head in that direction, which brings them into Chapman's basement, conveniently. They basically move from the wall to the floor so that they don't just fall on their faces as they unmorph back to their regular cells, which I did not realize was part of the plan. I thought that they would just stay as ants and they could just, like, find the thing, because I thought it was, like, on the side of, like, of the terminal or something. But apparently no. But Marco uncharacteristically volunteers to check if the coast is clear, since he's just eager to be out of the ant morph first. <laughs> And he just does so, but he realizes he has to carefully feel around for a light without moving forward, since he could easily kill his friends by stepping on them. But he, he <laughs> manages eventually, and signals to the others that it's safe to unmorph, because they basically are like, Hey, flick the light if it's okay, you can't talk to us in thought speech, obviously, but we can talk to you still. And basically, then Axe and Marco just fill around with a like small cube computer. It, I basically read this as like it's pretty much just like a tiny cube of holographic display, I guess. <laughs> Which Axe, <co> <laughs> yeah, it looks like a it, they mention it looks like a paperweight until you actually activate yeah. it, and then holograms and shit come yeah. out. Basically, they mess around with that in Chapman's uh, little office here. Through which they learn that Visser 1 is coming to visit her soon, and that uh, Axe explained that there's a total of, they believe, 47 or so Vissers among the Yurks, but Axe assures them that only C three can morph still. <laughs> can, can I just say, um, I love Axe's little line here, you can use a computer, yeah. <laughs> like the, the fucking condescension, like, ah, yes, you alien primitive, you can use a computer. <laughs> It's like it's, it's like it's like it's when just, I moved into my apartment and fucking, I was hooking up my modem and my router. And my mom was just standing there, being like, "I have no idea what you're doing." And it's like it's it's I'm literally connecting a cable between the two of them, <laughs> so that the the modem shares internet yeah. to the router. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 basic. It's basic point and click shit. Because yeah. Mar Marco at this point is like actually to a limited degree using a computer. He can't read the language. Yeah, yeah. obviously. I mean, he doesn't yeah. even really do anything, right? He clicks an icon, which opens a folder, and that's enough to prompt Axe to... <laughs> in his, in his defense, like, oh. he's like, this looks like this would be opening up a folder, because it looks a little bit like a folder yeah. icon. This makes sense. Uh -huh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like, man, just even thinking back to then, when it's like, <laughs> their computers were basically... Funnily oh. enough, I just realized their computers were basically running stuff like Sim Ant at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sim Ant is fucking insane if you've not seen what Sim Ant looks like. I have played Sim Ant and it is, it is so... actually a really good yeah. game. And it's really it's like for a game of its time, Sim, Sim Ant actually got really in depth with stuff. It did. It's fucking bonkers. I, apparently I also learned that like apparently the AI for like the humans in that game are actually what made the basis of uh the Sims. <laughs> So that was that was pretty funny, yeah. Just like the kind of like random like uh, AI stuff that they could do that in fact that like affected the ants and stuff. Yeah, it turns out they used that to make the Sims later on. <laughs> Played an RTS game at one point where like the three factions were ants, wasps, and termites. I think it was weirdly good. Huh. Um, didn't make a whole lot of sense in some cases, like when the ants are invading the wasp nest. But uh, yeah, it. 
I no, kind of no, have no. to imagine the wasps have an advantage just because they can fly, and also they don't die when they sting. Ants don't die when they sting. Yeah, but ants don't have flight. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, uh, yeah, they basically figured out this information. Do we actually ever meet any of these other Vissers? I assume we meet Visser 1 at some point, but I would imagine we don't meet Visser 39 or some shit, right? Uh, um, okay, so my answer to this question is yes, and that's okay. all. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, but yeah. X eventually, like, pulls that there's that words. He, pulls, he eventually pulls out the transponder from a different machine that he's been filling with before getting distracted by the little computer cube. And they basically all just morph back into ants and work together to get the transponder back up the wall and into the tunnel, but basically they are just immediately swarmed by enemy ants as soon as they get in. <laughs> or at least a little bit in. Chapter 14 is a very short one, because I'm not going to describe everything, but I uh, stupidly called it Texas Chantsaw Massacre, because ant. <laughs> I was trying to think of an ant murder thing. Look, deal, deal with it. See, now it makes it think. Now, now it makes me think of the, like a saw that's for chanting or <laughs> chanting saw. So... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen that weapon in like a Dark Souls or an Elden Ring. <laughs> I mean, that's that's definitely a 40k thing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You definitely have like the like holy chain sword or whatever of uh, murdering heretics. <laughs> well, it's 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 that they're so like chain sword. Saying holy chain sword in forty k is kind of redundant because every fucking technological thing is okay. holy. <laughs> they they all got machine spirits in them, and they all get the, like the, special the, anointment with I, the oil as, or as whatever. I, as I think and... I brought up on a different that's where this episode, the full extent of my knowledge of forty k comes from like a few hours when I played uh, the Space Marine game that released back in like the three hundred and sixty, which I rented because Blockbuster was still a thing back then. That that's all I really know no. about that series. Now there are some weapons and technology that are holier than others, but uh, yeah, no, that it, it there it's it's all it's all okay. like holy holy gotcha. chain swords of destruction or whatever. Right. And then there are some people who are perfectly reasonable and see all this religion nonsense as goobers and new actual science. I'm just saying, <laughs> nothing is holy. And to then dwarves. there, and then there's the best faction, which is chaos. I mean, yeah, Chaos is a non-binary entity who gives you all the fun boons that uh, you need to work through in order to make them better. Hades reference. <laughs> I mean, one of them is. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'm making intentionally a Hades video game joke. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not. This is 40k. <laughs> one of yeah, the Chaos chaos, chaos and 40k is very different from Chaos and Hades. I'd imagine so, yeah. <laughs> Alright, but in any case, this chapter is basically just a horror show as hundreds of ants descend upon them and basically just start tearing them apart bit by bit. Like, they're screaming stuff like, they ripped off my fucking leg! And, like, one of them is, like, grabbing Marco around the waist to try to saw him in half. Cause, oh boy. Uh, but yeah, they basically just all, like, try to focus on unmorphing, which I still don't know how they unmorph so quickly, considering that they're like, yeah, they'll kill us in a few seconds. Meanwhile, they've established that morphing takes them a few minutes at times, but I guess if you're under real big distress and about to be killed, you can do it quicker. Listen, even if it's only a partial morph, just getting to be, like, an inch long is a dramatic advantage when you are being I suppose, yeah. I mean, Marco does explain, like, when he starts to, like, get larger, where, like, the the like the dirt is pushing against him and he can't breathe and stuff until he bursts out of the yard. <laughs> so, I guess this actually does track. Like, it, I mean, as long as you're just, like, slightly larger than the ants, it's like, well, it makes it harder for them to just cut through you with their little uh, mandibles. 
<laughs> Luckily, they were under dirt and not inside of the wall. Yeah, yeah, that uh, would have been uh, okay. that would have been a lot more complicated. <laughs> the the only the only issue I have is right like later on they're gonna they they're gonna leave and they're gonna escape or whatever and then Chapman is gonna come out and like look in the yeah. yard and be like what are these yeah why why who dug up my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Considering where the chapters that we read end off on, I'm pretty sure he immediately uh, figures out what the fuck just happened, and that's why they easily. Well, there's there's like other there's like other reasons for that. I don't know that Chapman would be able to like connect this event to what happens later. It's kind of ten kind of tenuous. He already had a person that they knew could morph and like sneak into his basement. This is him coming back and seeing his line is all fucked right, up. Right, but is 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 he gonna like see the missing redundant D space D space transponder? Is he going to like look at the the dug up lawn and say, "Oh, th- there were ants in there, and they they turned <laughs> into people." He he might still be on like high alert of like oh yeah like something looks amiss here I need to basically try and have a detail of like security in case somebody does some shit that's a bit suspicious. Even then, in order to connect this to what's going to happen later, that would require jumping to some serious conclusions. Oh yes, I don't know. maybe it's maybe it's me giving the gear way more credit than they deserve because I would just imagine they would always be suspicious of stuff ever since they especially know that there's an Andalite in particular on Earth. Listen, I think what you're assuming is that the Yurks are psychic and they're not. So the issue isn't that they wouldn't like. Yes, obviously, once he figures out something's missing, he might connect the dug up one to that. But that doesn't mean he would know. Oh, they were ants and exploded out of the grounds. That is a totally different. Yeah, well, yeah. He might yeah, think, but, but, oh, they were badgers and burrowed into my basement. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, again, like the specific of it is not what I'm focusing on. I would imagine that he would immediately see the yard all like fucked up, and then be like, I need to make sure that nothing got like fucked around with because it could be that the person who was a cat in my basement that one those two times has come back or something for some reason, and then that's yeah. true. I. Don't think we hear about this again, though. We don't get any indication that Chapman put two okay. and two together. The, the 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 reason that things break bad the way they do later, I think, has more to do with what I mentioned last episode, uh, where they used a fucking compromised frequency in order to do this. Oh, fun. <laughs> but yeah, in any case, they basically just all unmorph, trying to get away from the ants, and just uh, burst out of the yard. Uh, Marco spots the transponder in the dirt and grabs it as Rachel basically tries to stomp the ground back into place, which is really just her more venting her anger at the ants and just stomping them mm-hmm. off. <laughs> and Marco basically yeah. just thinks to himself about like things afterwards of like how he still found an ant's head clamped to the skin of his waist while he was taking a shower later that night, and how he basically spoils a few chapters from now that they don't all get fucking got because he's like about like uh, you know like a month or so after the ant incident. I read a book about how the author said that ants would blow up the world within a week if they had nukes, but I think they would blow it up quicker. <laughs> so way to yeah. spoil uh, when you're in uh, hot shit, Marco, that none of you get got. <laughs> well, fucking, there's more books after this. So yeah, we've spoilers. The there were sixty-two of these things. Spoilers. <laughs> Besides which, it doesn't mean that no one got God, it just means that Marco didn't. <laughs> the fact that there's a book after this is a spoiler, then. <laughs> like... Yeah, um... Yeah. Uh, chapter... 
So you're, you're doing yeah, chapter yeah, 15? Yeah, right? I, I, yeah, these are, these are yeah. the last of my three. But yeah, uh, basically okay. chapter 15, which I couldn't really think of a good title for, so I just called it Everything is Totally Okay and Not Dramatic. Uh, Marco assuring us as the readers that he is totally fine and cool and normal and that he slept A-OK after almost being bisected by ants. <laughs> Very convincing, Marco. Yeah. One thing you gotta realize is that even though we do get more, like, internal monologue from these characters when they narrate, they are still not quite reliable narrators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in any case... Yeah, like, it's important to... And this is a format that hasn't really been discussed since book one, but these are like them writing down diaries in case they die, so... <laughs> Which is, it's kind of gonna get abandoned later. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this, it just turns into sort of an eternal monologue type thing. Yeah, in a way, I think but it kind of already has been abandoned. <laughs> they, like, at, at the they, start, um, they were, like, basically the, like, audio logs you find all over the place in, like, Bioshock or Dead Space, where it's, like, a person being like, I'm here at the uh, the New Year's Eve anniversary uh, party for that uh, Andrew Ryan is hosting again. Oh, I hear a smash in the background. What's all that about? <laughs> Before they get caught. <laughs> but, like, it... I think I think at this point they've kind of abandoned the pretense of having any sort of justification for an internal monologue. Yeah, like, for sure. Being narrated. Yeah, it's basically just this is just a window into what they're going through at the time, and that's it. Really, I think. Yeah. It's now it's more like Punisher's War Diaries than it is like. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, they're just hiding all this stuff around the city like uh, Spider-Man did before the uh, 2018 Spider-Man game. And then you just find stuff <laughs> yeah. like, oh, here's a here's a recipe from Aunt May. Why did I hide this here? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe don't hide something of a person's kinda name weird that... uh, in a clear web from it's... Spider-Man. <laughs> it's kind of weird that no one found that shit. Yeah. Huh. Like, you'd think, like, oh, look, under, under, like, I'm in this tunnel and up on the ceiling there's a backpack yeah, up there especially, connected especially, to Especially the webs. one that had plushy in it when he finds it. He's like, spider plushy. Like, it's like, that, that would absolutely be go, stolen you... immediately. <laughs> You go and get it down, like from. Well, I don't know if it'd be split, stolen immediately because it's in a bag and not visible. But I guess, yeah. Like you, you, you go and get it down, and then you take it down, and it's like, who's this fucking Peter Parker kid? Why is Spider Man webbing up backpacks full of who's, stuff? Who's Aunt May? Yeah. Pretty sure there's like also one that's forget. straight up a picture of him and Mary Jane, isn't there? <laughs> yep. Yeah. But the other <laughs> thing is that like Spider Man's webbing dissolves after two hours, so he put. <laughs> Does it, it doesn't last forever. Does it do that in that? Not not yeah. in not in the video games because there's a there's a there's a radio like in, in, I think in Miles in the, in the second one in Miles Morales there's like a radio conversation where there's a, like a, a maintenance worker who says that he's never going to complain about having to clean up Spider Man's webbing again. So like that implies that one the webbing does not dissolve and two it has to be cleaned up whenever <laughs> Spider Man does anything it leaves a bunch of webbing behind that people have to like pick up after. Yeah, Spider Man, I appreciate that you did that you saved me and my family from that truck falling on us, but uh, would it really bother you a lot mm-hmm. to try to also clean up all your uh, web stuff that you leave all over the place after you're done? <laughs> also, whenever you knock someone off a off a building, like a, a web comes out and connects. Yeah, them if that dissolved within like, two hours, those people would super that, be dead. Yeah, <laughs> yes. like all the Listen. times that like you like th- like kind of like almost throw a person off a cliff in like the Arkham games, uh-huh. and it's like, well, that person's absolutely dead because even if they survived, Batman definitely broke their neck in that punch. <laughs> It's like, oh shit, uh, I, guess, I guess we're on a clock. Like, <laughs> yeah, they have two hours to get really good at urban mountain climbing. <laughs> I mean, or, like, if, if, it depends on if it completely dissolves in two hours, or if it just dissolves enough for it to break in two hours. Because if it's the, uh-huh. if it's the, uh, 
if if it's the former, then you have less than two hours because at a certain point the web is going to re- like become weak enough that now the person now the fall. DLC for the upcoming Spider-Man Two game is going to reveal that the people that have to go around clean up the webs are actually the animorphs. Decades later, like they call them every time and have them go around an animal morph to try to get rid of it. <laughs> just just Marco as a gorilla hanging off the side now. of a building with a little like uh, dissolvent like tube or whatever <laughs> trying to deal with Spider-Man's webbing. <laughs> No, that would actually be a little bit better than what actually does. Okay, uh, okay, it's DLC for Power Watch Simulator, considering they're having, like, actual, like, 40k in Spongebob DLC. <laughs> you get called in uh, to clean up uh, the Empire State Building because Spider-Man showed up. <laughs> I'm yep. just, like, listen, it's long-standing canon. That web lasts two hours, and then it's totally gone, and it doesn't even stain fabric unless it's suede. Suede is the only fabric that it stains. <laughs> Again, I feel like there's a lot of continuities where they just don't address it and don't care, <laughs> or it just sits around. <laughs> In any case, uh, yeah, chapter. Uh, Marco tries to ignore the fact that his dad is looking a little bit worse for wear these days, because they get closer to the anniversary of his mom's death. And he also tries to pretend not to see Jake, Rachel, and Cassie in the hallways, even though he totally notices them and they all look terrible after the ant fiasco. He does try to think about how one of them could crack and end up in the siren at the rate they're going, since he saw that pretty much happened with his dad after all, after his mother passed away. As if an asylum could hold that. <laughs> oh, weird. Uh, they got out of this uh, tight, like, secure area. It's like, because they just been speaking in Lance again. <laughs> uh, but in any case... Uh, listen, Rachel's go-to move is turn into an elephant. I, uh, I don't care yeah. how padded your room is, you're not gonna... Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she falls through th- like three stories and then smashes her way out of the building. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, later at lunch, basically Marco has to get involved in the fight between Rachel and some shitty girl named Jessica, who intentionally bumped into Rachel just to start shit because she just thinks she's hot shit, I guess. Uh, Rachel snaps at her because she's on the edge and pretty much just immediately slams her onto the table, telling her to not touch her. <laughs> like just... Such a Jessica thing to do. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, uh, Marco basically tries to defuse the situation by trying to separate them. I guess just because he's good guy Marco and doesn't want to get Rachel in trouble. But he just ends up getting punched in the face by Jessica in the process for all his trouble. <laughs> uh, but they basically just all get sent to Chapman, who pretty much just immediately clocks that Rachel's in a stress lady since she kind of escalated things, even though Jessica still started shit, so it's still on her. Uh, but Marco intervenes on her behalf again by saying that they are fighting over him because he's such a hunk and they're madly in love with him because he's Marco and always has a joke. Uh, they basically just all get yelled at for a bit and told to go schedule appointments with the school counselor, and afterwards Rachel says that she wishes she could be in control as much as Marco usually is, and appreciates that he tries to lighten the mood for the group as a whole, just regards the situation. So again, it's like another one of those cases of seeing, like, oh yeah, the group is really starting to actually figure out that Marco isn't just a wisecracking asshole at times. <laughs> and Mar- Marco is like surprised at the concept of people thinking that he's cool and in control. Yeah. Because that's not how he sees himself. Yeah. It's how he comes off because he jokes all the yeah. time. But yeah, I gotta say though, like if this happens at my junior high, like right now today, they would all be expelled. So <laughs> yeah, zero tolerance uh, for violence. I think at the the junior high that I that I worked at, um, there were fights. People got like in school suspension. They were not expelled. 
certainly would be more than just a, oh, go to the counselor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, like, we had a whole special school for people and everything. It was, like, alternative school for if you got in trouble for fighting or whatever. And it's, I mean, it's basically juvie, but it was a zero-tolerance policy for fighting, so even if you were the person getting beat up, you got expelled. Yeah. <sighs> it does not work. Alright. So... Uh, now we're going into my chapters. Anyone want to say anything more about chapter 15 before no, we go on? it's kind nah. of a basic chapter. Much, much yeah. like 14. I've called chapter 6... I've called chapter 16, three days till retirement. <laughs> uh, so Axe finishes the distress beacon. And to mark the occasion, the kids meet up in the field near Cassie's farm, where, where Axe is living, and they discuss the plan. They need to find a place to enact this plan, to send off the signal that's far enough away that it won't be traced back to any of them. So that's a smart decision. <laughs> uh, one of the only smart decisions made in this book. They decide on a quarry. Uh, a gravel quarry, which is further inland. It's abandoned because it's dry, and uh, it's only about an hour's flying time away. It's far enough away, though, that no one will trace this back to Cassie's farm. The The idea is that if they do fail, they can still keep Axe there, and it won't be like, put anyone's families in danger. Well, you see, um, they finally realize that, I mean, you watch a couple episodes of Doctor Who, old Doctor Who, like, from the 60s, and you realize that the aliens always land in the gravel quarry, so therefore... <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> plus, they watched some Power Rangers and realized that you always fight the giant monster in the gravel quarry, so therefore... <laughs> right. <laughs> Now, now, look, I know that you're uh, here terrorizing downtown uh, Metropolis or whatever, but can you please go over to this quarry we have a few blocks away? This is where we only do our fighting. Yep. I mean, um, in Power Rangers, they do have a specific part of the city called the Abandoned Warehouse District, where the in-city fights happen, so... <laughs> I I love that there's like an entire district of abandoned warehouses and it paints this sort of dystopian picture <laughs> of the world in which they live, which has been ravaged by economic distress. Yeah, it's, it's like an area of the Fortnite map, like here's the snowy area, here's the city area, here's the abandoned quarry area. They're kind of, I mean, there is straight up a quarry area in the current map, so I guess that's where they do all their fighting. I mean... I mean, the idea that, like, there's enough abandoned warehouses in this district for it to be in a way abandoned yeah, yeah. warehouse district implies there are a lot of warehouse workers that are out of work. <laughs> and the fact that you can blow up a monster there every week and it's still, like, intact. And it's just fine. <laughs> like, it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, either at the, at it this is point... such a big district or someone is repairing the abandoned warehouses and I don't know which is worse. <laughs> Or they just built, like, a, another district for the warehouses that aren't abandoned simply because it's not worth, <laughs> like, rebuilding those warehouses if they're just going to get blown up by giant monsters every week. You know what I mean? Like, now we have our designated giant monster fight area, and the rest of the city is untouched. The one, the one office building there that was actually finished and occupied has to request for the city to pick them up and move them over to the district of them actually still, like... You know, finished this way, they aren't near yeah. them in the crosshairs of the rest of the unfinished area. <laughs> L luckily, all of Breeder Repulse's monsters respect the distinction and, like, keep the fighting to the warehouse, the abandoned warehouse district, so that none of the other rest of the city is damaged. It's it's a very, <laughs> like, you know, it works out for everyone. 
Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so they decide on this quarry, but that means Axe is going to need a bird morph. Um, they decide on Northern Harrier because they happen to have one about the same size as, as Tobias. Uh, Axe takes the opportunity to insult the human body, uh, which, which he will do several times throughout the, this series. Um, Marco jokes that he's up for the plan as long as it doesn't involve ants, and uh, no one laughs at that, though. They agree, no ants. <laughs> so, they split off after having planned for a bit, and Jake and Marco have a relatively normal conversation that preteen boys would, would have, you know. Um, sports, superheroes... Uh, the new CD, which, you know, 90s. Uh, <laughs> Nothing dates this series um, more than the fact that they say CD. <laughs> but but something's off, and Jake is picking up on it. And he asks Marco what the problem is, and Marco says that this is the last time he's going to be doing this. There's been too many close calls, and, like, you know, earlier they got almost got eaten by ants, and then before that it was being boiled as a lobster before that they almost uh, got eaten by humans yeah eaten by humans uh and then before that uh it was like you know last book uh was almost killed by sharks when he was a dolphin so you know obviously marco has family reasons to to, to survive so he says enough is enough and surprisingly, Jake agrees. He says, you're right, you've done more than enough, and I can't expect you to continue with this if you don't want to. Um, and Marco basically says that he's not going to like have his dad leaving flowers at two graves. Uh, so, with this being the last mission that Marco is to go on, we actually enter into it. And we pick up in chapter 17, which I actually didn't come up with a name for. Um, so, uh, I'm just going to call it Setup. That's all it is. <laughs> um, so, we open up with Axe yelling about how wonderful flying is. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, it is. And uh, Marco is... is you know, perfectly fine with with Axe celebrating that. He also mentions that the the eyes are better, so uh, the, the eyes are better than human eyes. Tobias says that his eyes are better, and they have a little bit of a pissing contest about that. Uh, oh, we get a thermal here, so ding! I think it's the Jeez. first one. It took so long. We actually got two yeah. right in a row because we had risen high on a beautiful thermal. A thermal is so double ding. <laughs> yep. It's just yeah. you know it took so many. There's less, there's less bird stuff in this book, so that's probably. I mean, why. there's been less yeah, bird stuff know. in general since like the third yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. It's just that like since we waited till chapter seventeen, we had to get it out of the way. But you know, you yes. can't just let it build yes. up like that. <laughs> exactly. We do have to have at least one mention of a thermal. Um. So they're, as usual, flying separately because they don't want bird watchers to, to see a bunch of different birds of prey flying together. That's going to be something they'll say every time they fly together as birds of prey. Um, and, yeah, they joke that, uh, he jokes that they should just spend the day flying around instead of doing a suicide mission. And, like, that's kind of prescient because... For the information they have and the plans they've been making, this doesn't necessarily seem like a suicide mission. Yeah. Like, 
what are they they're gonna they're gonna dispatch the crew of the bug fighter not really that bad because it's a it's a hork bajir and taxon they can handle that um and then they're gonna steal the fighter if the fighter comes down alone then that's not a problem of course that's not going to happen but they don't have any way of knowing that it's not so <laughs> not sure why why marco is calling it a suicide mission um but that's just i guess what marco does well, to be fair, like, basically every time they do anything, it turns into... Yeah, like, every any time they decide to yeah. take any action against the Yurks, they always immediately get got. <laughs> they broke into the plan a guy's always has house to go sideways. and they almost all died. Yeah. Then they broke into that um, guy's house again, and they almost all died worse. <laughs> so, they spiral down from the sky into the quarry, and... This is my question, is why do they have to go in the quarry? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, I get it, but it makes sense to me on, like, a subterfuge level, right? Because the Yerks wouldn't want to just land in the middle of wherever, even if, like, it's relatively remote, right? But they wouldn't just want to put their ship on the plains where anyone can see it from miles around, so... That's true, but you'd feel like there. I feel like there'd be like remote forest where they could do that. Yeah. The and and I I kind of was imagining trees around this quarry or some kind of like brush or something you could conceal yourself in. The the fact is that entering into the quarry, being in the quarry while this happens, creates a big problem later because you can't escape from that situation and it's not very defensible. <laughs> But um, it's not like these guys are, you know, great at tactics <laughs> yet. Yeah, so they start uh, morphing into their battle morphs. First they have to demorph, and Marco makes this sort of joke that he usually does about how they need some kind of uniform so they don't look like um, a bunch of idiots. Uh, but then he realizes he shouldn't be talking that way, like he's still going to be with them later on. Um, so it's kind of that awkward sort of situation where he doesn't want to act like he's gonna be there later but also doesn't want people to know that he's not yet <laughs> uh so they end they go underneath the uh, uh, like an overhang um in the quarry in order to demorph so that the bug fighter can't see them as they as as it flies overhead um and axe activates the distress beacon uh, nothing happens, but he assures them that it's working, and sure enough, before long, a bug fighter flies down over the um uh a, a bug fighter flies down over the uh, uh the quarry itself. Hey, we um, did before it. that they yeah, before that they have a little conversation about the different animals and who could kick you know, whose butt and such a wide variety you have such an amazing variety of animals on your planet and to which I wonder, like, is Earth? I feel like in our in Animorphs canon, Earth has above average biodiversity. Yeah, I believe that's true. Um, like it's a particularly verdant and beautiful planet. <laughs> uh, I I feel like the Andalite homeworld is probably somewhat on par, but yeah, the Andalite homeworld is definitely a lot more um wild i guess is the way i would put it but i don't think they have as many species if that makes sense i see okay yeah because that i mean the analytes don't really build civilization in the same way i mean they have a civilization 
obviously. Yeah. But they don't really build cities in the same way that humans do. They live more in concert with nature. Yeah, almost semi-nomadic, really. Just like... And they live they live in gazebos, <laughs> so... <laughs> Which is kind they of like... They do really just live in gazebos. <laughs> well, I mean, later on they're gonna... Like, Axe is gonna end up building... Like, spoiler well, alert, they do not succeed in the Axe, at getting Axe no, off the planet. Really? Axe will build... <laughs> We'll build a shelter called a scoop, which is basically a gazebo. <laughs> it's, it's not a hundred percent a gazebo. <laughs> it's got walls. It's, it's it's got walls on some like it doesn't have four <laughs> walls. It's got open anyway. Um, chapter eighteen, which I called the bad plan, fails because it's bad. Uh, the bug fighter flies down. Uh, seems to pause and then settles on the floor of the quarry. A hork steps out, and we get a description of hork Um, You know, it's the same description as we've gotten in every other book where a hork showed up. Uh, and when the time is right, um, they pounce, knowing that there's going to be a taxon inside of the bug fighter. It's the job of everyone, basically, but Marco to take out the hork and then Marco's going to go in and take care of the taxon. Uh, probably not going to be that difficult because taxons are not quite, you know, all that tough. <laughs> I do want to point out, just real quick, uh, Marco makes a comment about how if Klingons were real, they would be afraid of hork And I don't think that's true. Klingons would love these guys. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but They true. would be doing the uh, Kung Fu Panda, like, finally a worthy adversary or battle of the legendary thing, whenever they saw one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um... But the, it's weird because the Horkbajir is just kind of standing there, not looking around, just being like, oh yes, I am here. I am bait. Come get me. <laughs> um, Tobias swoops down at the Horkbajir, rakes his talons forward, and it says he hits the Horkbajir's face. I don't necessarily think he gets the eyes this time because there's no mention of that. Also, Jake leaps out from the cover and sort of pushes the Horkbajir down, and then Rachel puts her big elephant foot onto the hork Uh I don't see any sort of indication that the hork dies, so I'm not going to give anyone no, a point for I this. No, I don't think they do. No, I mean, Rachel, it specifies that Rachel doesn't just, like, fully squish them. She's just keeping him in place yeah. while he's just like, ah, you defeated me. Oh no, I give up. <laughs> yeah. But before Marco can get into the bug fighter, there's a zap, a brilliant red beam of light slices through the air just inches in front of him it says and it that blocks his way that there's another one and it turns out that there's dracon beams coming out from the the edge of the quarry and all around them uh the edge of the quarry is lined with hork soldiers so they're surrounded now they have to stay in morph because they don't want them to know they're human um and Tobias can't get out because there's not good enough thermals. It would take him too long and they would fry him before he could get clear. Uh, So they're essentially trapped. They're boxed in. They're outnumbered. um, And then he shows up. They don't say his name, but we all know it's Visser 3. Well, I mean, it could be somebody else. Maybe it's Marco's dad. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) It's me all along. I've been brain slugged this whole time, Marco. I was sad for... It was an act, I guess. And I've been doing nothing for the resistance. Be- like, not the, the Urk invasion. Yur- Urk, ah. I've been doing nothing for the Urk invasion because uh, 
I had to act super sad. I had to maintain my cover to lure you into becoming an animorph so I could kill you. I'm the only Yurk who ever took acting classes. <laughs> Even more dangerous than Visser 3 because he's able to emote <laughs> and create Visser a Visser 3 can emote. He knows anger and more anger. Visser 3 can't. Visser 3 can't. Yes, and. He knows how to be angry. So, yeah, he, 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 can't, he can't yes and, though, which is the most valuable skill of any sort of improv artist. Um, but yeah, so that's the end of my chapter, and we are left off on a cliffhanger where yeah. the uh, kids seem well and truly screwed, uh, but we'll see how that goes in the next chapters. We will indeed. Uh, next when week we will f- presumably be pretty short since there's only five chapters left. But uh, yeah. and we'll be finishing this book. Yes, absolutely. We, we sure do play this through is... books pretty quickly, huh? But then again, we're also going through like a yeah. third of them, if not more, so each week. Yeah. And again, these well, books take an hour um, fully. <laughs> I'm going to ask you this again at the end of the book overall, Vivian, but what has this so far changed your opinion of Marco? I mean, yeah, it, it's helpful to actually have insight on Marco's thought process compared to the previous four books where he was just like, I'm the wisecracking jerk kind of guy, but I still have a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I still think that like, unless there's like some drastic thing that happens in the next five chapters, I still feel like the bias book so far would be the, my favorite, the one I put at the top. Well, there is there spoilers, but there is a drastic thing that oh, happens yeah. in the next five okay. chapters. It's a very drastic thing, but I don't know if it'll actually put this above your above. I, I think it's really you. just because of the bias book is really in like uh, thought provoking in terms of like identity <laughs> compared to like okay, it's helpful yeah. to actually know where Marco's coming from compared to the other books. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the focus of this yeah. one. It's on Marco's character, um, but Marco doesn't isn't dealing with the existential shit that Tobias yeah. is dealing yeah. with. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, there was also that helpful thing in this book in particular, like, last week when Marco was even thinking, like, I make fun of Tobias at times, but also what happened to Tobias fucking terrifies me. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, it, we don't get as much of that as a focus in mm-hmm. this book, but we get... The focus of this book is Marco's motivation. Marco's motivation to continue being Yeah, an considering that, like, every to... book, like, five times, he's always like, I'm fucking out, I'm done, and then they just keep <laughs> pulling me back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> just you fucking wait and read the next few chapters, and then you'll see uh, that no one escapes. <laughs> yeah, like... Marco is never going to be a fully existential character in the way that Tobias is, but his uh, his grim nihilism is really going to kick in the next time we see him. So, yeah, okay. I can I kind of yeah. would feel like it would be a little bit much if they did really like overlap like the uh, existential dread of Tobias with another character because like that's kind of Tobias's thing. No, it, like even with knowing every character next to nothing about animorphs, I always knew like okay, yeah, Bird Boy. Every character has a very distinct arc, and they don't overlap a whole lot, um, and I feel like that's for the better, because, I mean, yeah, Tobias's arc is really good, but not everyone can have that. In fact, it's best if only one person does, otherwise we're just doing the same thing yeah, again. Yeah, like it... Marco's... I feel like Marco is mostly here 
to show us... M- Marco's kind of like the midpoint between Rachel and Cassie in a lot of ways. Yeah, like, like Cassie <laughs> um, doesn't really like having to command or kill... Rachel is fully like, let's fucking do this, let's go. And meanwhile, like Marco's like, yeah, I kind of don't want to have to do stuff, but also, fuck, why do I have a conscience? <laughs> well, and and the, these first few books for each of the characters are, with the exception of Jake, maybe because that was just like setting yeah. us off. Like the Jake um, book has been kind of the most are... boring, just because it's like the most safe option in terms of yeah, our protagonist. Yeah, it's like. It's interesting in the first few chapters when it's like, mm-hmm. okay, here's the inciting incident, and also you see an alien before another alien, but then it's like, well, <laughs> then the rest of that book is like, okay, it's kind of just, here's the most white bread protagonist possible of these five kids. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, there, there's also, what I was going to say is that these first few books, at least in the case of Rachel, Cassie, and Marco are mostly about why they do this. Why are you involved in this war, and why do you keep fighting? In all of them, in all of them, they, you know, explore their reasons for doing that, and uh, how they hold up against the stuff that they are going to have to do. Um, In the case of... uh, in in the case of you know, and they all approach that differently, and there are different aspects of this task that's before them that they would take pause at. Like whereas Cassie is much more put off by the prospect of having to do violence, yeah. but is willing to do that if it means protecting the Earth. Uh, then, like in in her Captain Planet sort of way, <laughs> then she's gonna you know she's gonna fight. Uh, Marco doesn't want to be in danger, but it's not just because he's, you know, selfish and wants to protect his own skin. It's because there are people who care about him and rely on him and he cares about those people. So he doesn't want them to, you know, have to deal with his absence. It's actually not a selfish thing. It's, it's a, it's, it's a selfless thing. Like, like basically for the longest time, he was just basically being like, ah, it's not my responsibility to help other people. And now it's like, as time has gone on, it's been like him being like, look, it's really that I just don't want to have to have my dad even become more of a yeah. mess. Well, it, it's 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 not his responsibility to save the world. It is his responsibility to protect his dad. Yeah. And his dad cannot take him dying. Like, that would not... <laughs> yeah, like... That, his, that would end very badly if still not fully processed the fact <laughs> that his wife died two years ago. Which, I'm yeah. super curious if we get more information about that, and then it's actually been like, oh, she was actually yurked long ago and has been in space or something. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get more information about that later, but, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it we're gonna see the sort of conclusion of, of Marco's whole motivation story, uh, in the next episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's a little bit of a weird comparison, but if I was to put him up on the Justice League, I feel like Marco is our Batman, because he's just so specifically motivated by his immediate family. He's all grim pragmatism and actually trying to come up with ideas, you know what I mean? He's also the very cerebral, um, you know, like, plan person. Exactly, you know what I mean? yeah. Mar- Mar- Marco's the one who will think of all the contingencies and head them off <laughs> uh, before they become an issue. He's not great at that because he's twelve. Yes, but but he's, he's better at that than anyone else. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
And obviously, Tobias is the Martian Manhunter. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, Jake is Superman because he's generic and boring. Jake is Superman because he can be written fantastically well, but no one ever bothers. Yeah. And uh, Rachel's Supergirl because she's Superman's cousin. <laughs> 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 so then I guess Tobias is usually Beast Boy, huh? J- t- 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 first of all, wrong team. It's DC, right? As Patch said, Tobias is, is, is Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Marco is Martian Manhunter. No, 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 no. Marco's Batman. Marco's Batman. Oh. <laughs> and Cassie, obviously, since we're doing everyone, is the Flash. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, only one of the Justice League is not super into punching people all the time, so I have limited options here. <laughs> uh, I guess by extension that makes X the Green Lantern? I don't know. It doesn't really track, but there we go. Uh, well, uh, Would Axe be the... No, Axe, Axe is the Martian Manhunter, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of more of a fit, huh? Just because he is an actual extraterrestrial. <laughs> well... I mean, yeah, but that's like surface level comparison, right? I guess. It's not... Again, I know like next to nothing about DC overall. <laughs> Martian Manhunter's whole character is tragedy. He's lost everyone and everything he's ever cared about, and yet he still fights to preserve life, and that's very much That's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Axe is just a kid. Axe can be Robin. A- Axe has lost things in the ca- in, in, in the sense that he separated from his home and his yeah, family. Pretty, this he, is true. He had to find out that his brother got got. You know what? He can be Cyborg in 2012 when they step up and let Cyborg join the league. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Justice League discussions aside, I think we're pretty much good for today, so... We'll be back next week to finish off the Predator, and you'll get our final impressions. Although I kind of think we've spoiled them already with today. Um. <laughs> Sorry, that was my. I fault. mean, like, I like you, it's I mean, good it's, discussion. It's it's always a handy thing to check in to be like, okay, like I'm the one who hasn't read these books. Both of you have. It's always interesting to mm-hmm. hear you know, like other people's take on stuff. It's it's yeah, like how like yeah, when we covered exactly. Shira in the main show, where it's like I only watched season one of Shira compared to. Patch having read, <laughs> and, like watched all of it, so I was like, "Oh boy, how are they gonna actually make uh, Catadora work?" In my opinion, kind of not. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit rushed. To be fair, I get that that was like part of like you know this overall story, and like yeah, we really had to like work on that a lot. But it's also like me being like, "Well, I'm actually glad that we continued Infinity Train because again, I'd only watched season one of that, so it's like I'm glad we got to go through the entire uh, trans allegory book." <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I think we're finishing up here. I have some images for next week. I am excited to send you more merchandise, but <laughs> until then, uh, remember, Zero did nothing wrong. Zero <laughs> did nothing wrong. I continue to have no opinion on this, but I will defer to your opinion that's here than nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>